Boy, it's a, it's a real testimony to us all that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could possibly ever ask or even hope for. And can we thank Rico and the Dela Cruzes as well as Dr. Robin for sharing with us this morning. And we are continuing in our series, The Greatest, The uh, Best Start Ever. And so we want to take out our bulletins and, and take out our notes so that we can follow along uh, with the scriptures and, and learn together and how we can balance out these three gauges that we want to talk about. Because God gave us these three gauges. It's a spiritual gauge, it's an emotional gauge, and then it's also a physical gauge. We're built this way. And we want to learn how God wired us up so that we can be effective for Him and reach our fullest potential in how He designed us. And many of us understand what it means to read a gauge. You know, we have our gas gauge on our cars and we make sure that it's, you know, at a good point so we don't run out of gas. In fact, some time ago, my car, I had a, a, an older car that we since sold and uh, the gas gauge was broken. And some of you may have this kind of uh, situation right now, that you have to watch the miles on your car to know when you're going to run out of gas. And so that's how my car was. Well, I'm coming down Kawailani, and I'm going to turn on to Kanoilehua. And by the time I get to the bottom, there's a red light, so I have to stop there. My car dies out. And I'm thinking, no way. I have enough miles to say I'm not running out of gas. But maybe I reset it at the wrong time, so maybe it's off. But my car dies out. And I'm thinking, i got to at least get to the other side or else I'm going to block all these people behind me. And so what do you do? You pray, right? I mean, you get in a situation like that. First thing you do is say, okay, God, come on, God. you got to help me. Like it's his fault I didn't put gas. Lord, you got to help me, please. At least start it so it can get across. And so the light turns green. And it's our turn to go, but thank God there was someone on the other side coming straight across, so I couldn't go. And I'm praying, and I'm pressing the gas pedal and holding it down, Lord, please, please. And it starts up. Yes! Fumes! And so we're, I'm going across, and it's like chugging along. I'm like, Lord, just enough to get on the other side. Then it dies out, and I, and I have enough inertia to go and to pull over. And so I pull over, call somebody up, they bring gas, and I'm thankful. Some weeks later, I get a call from my son, and my oldest son, and he says, and it's about 10.30 at night, and he's supposed to be home by 10. And he says, Dad, um, the car died out. Same car. And I said, where are you? He said, I'm at, on the Paneva stretch. And I said, okay, uh, did you run out of gas? He said, I don't know, the gas gauge is broken. I said, how many miles did you go? And he told me, I said, I think you ran out of gas. So I brought gas to him and um, put the gas in and tried to start it, but the engine didn't turn. And I said, is your battery dead? And he goes, I don't know. And I said, "Um, did you always have the radio on? And he goes, yeah. I said, I think your battery died. Why did you keep the radio on? He said, because it was dark and I was scared. I said, "Uh, understandable. So I had to, you know, get some uh, cables and then jump the battery and then we're good to go. And then some months later, actually a couple years went by, I get a call from my wife, Heidi. And different car, kind of same situation. And she says, okay, so what do you do if the car dies out, but you had gas in the gas can? 
I'm like, are you on a millionaire show? What are you? What is this? Is this a game show? What is this? And she said, no, um, what, what could be the problem? I said, uh, you have gas in the tank? Yes. And the car died out? Yes. Hey, it could be a bunch of things. I don't know. It could be a whole bunch of things. Um, are you sure you have gas? She said, yes, the gas light just came on, so it can't be the gas. I said, okay. Tell me the situation. You know, husbands analyze everything. It's like, okay, where are you? What's your direction? Are you northeast, northwest? How's the wind direction? And she said, well, we were going up a hill. And then as we were going to the top, it died on us. And so we figured out it was the gas that when they were on the hill, it, you know, was leveled out and got away from where it's supposed to be siphoned. So they went into neutral and got back to the bottom where it was flat. Gas got back in, started the car, good to go. Gas gauges are very important to pay attention to, aren't they? Yes, they are. The gas light is very important to pay attention to, aren't they? Even the oil light when it comes on is very important to pay attention to, right? Yes. Then why don't we? Why do we wait for the engine to die, the battery to conk out, or the oil light to come on before we start checking things? Now, some of us are routine in these things, and we make sure that we fill up gas when it's like three-fourths full. Or we change our oil at the due time, and we make sure we do that. And some of us have that, that you know, we're, 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 we're disciplined in doing that. And I thought, wait a minute. If we do that... Just on the physical side with our cars, how much more should we pay attention to the spiritual, emotional, and physical gauges of our very own lives? Because it's those three gauges that God has put inside of us and created us this way so that we can be effective for Him. In the book of Deuteronomy, and it's in your notes, Deuteronomy tells us these three gauges. And it shows us how we can be effective for the Lord and live a life of full potential in how God designed us and created us. And it says in Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. It almost sounds like God has built a dashboard for our lives so that we can pay attention to these gauges. And just like the dashboard and gauges in our cars tells us what's happening under the hood, so we can do something about it long before the engine fails, so too does He do that with our very own lives. And He gave us a dashboard for life, some gauges to tell us what's going on under the surface of our lives before we're empty, hard-hearted, and lost, and even come to a place where our engines fail. And that's what we want to learn today. In other words, God gives us life's three most important gauges. And we're going to learn how God wired us up and what to do so that we can live a more balanced life. And God gave us a spiritual gauge. He gave us a physical gauge and an emotional gauge. And here's some things that we can do that will help us in these three areas. And you can take notes on this. But the first thing is to set appropriate limits in my life. Because if not, then we'll do whatever we want to do, not paying attention 
to certain boundaries in our lives. We must set some appropriate limits. And the reason why it must be appropriate is because everybody is different. We all have a, a different uh, tank functioning system in our lives. Some of us are drained quicker than others when it comes to certain things in life. Some of us can operate on little energy. Some of us have tons of energy. So we're all different when it comes to the way we've been designed. But when we set appropriate limits in life, in our lives, then we're able to at least maintain or watch what's going on. In his book, Practicing Greatness, Seven Disciplines of Extraordinary Leaders, the author, Reggie McNeil, gives us a a little quote about boundaries. And he says, Many spiritual leaders discover that they get into psychological, emotional, and spiritual distress because they have inappropriate boundaries. Boundaries are like fences, he says. They let us know where we end and where the rest of the world picks up. Some leaders have left gates open. Some have let the fence be knocked down. And others have never figured out where the fence goes. 1 Corinthians tells us in this way, in chapter 10, verse 13, that the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. You can underline that or or highlight it. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Yeah, God knows our energy capacity and never requires more than we are capable of achieving. See, the key here is that God is faithful. We may be unfaithful. There may be people around us that are unfaithful, but God remains faithful. And others, as well as ourselves, sometimes put added demands in our lives where we really don't have the energy to meet those demands. And so what we do is we siphon energy from somewhere else to keep up with these demands that were never supposed to be in my life. We take time away from our children, time away from our family. We even, we even take shortcuts in our health so that we can use this energy for what is actually not intended for us. We even take away our devotional time with the Lord or we, we don't spend time with the Lord. We even, we even skip out on church learning from God because we don't have the energy to do so or we want to do something else. It's like we have everything out of balance. And God says, bring everything back into balance because temptations will be out there. Even the temptation to say yes to everyone. He says, that's not... That's not who you're supposed to be. You can't say yes to everything because when you do, you're saying no to everything else that should be imbalanced. We go off track and now we're at a place in our life where we want certain things or we, we exchange what we should be doing for that which we shouldn't be doing and now, now materialism sets in, our health decays, Relationships go bad, anger arises, and then we feel needed. And all these issues are a result of having inappropriate limits in our lives. We all need boundaries. One of the things that I'm learning is, is in order for this to work, to set some appropriate limits in my life, God must be first. He must be first. If He's not first, then, then no matter what else we put there, it's not going to work. It just will not work. Because God knows how He wired us up. So if we put him first, and then our spouse second, 
then our kids after that, then our careers, our vocation, or our job, then it's like everything becomes more aligned and more balanced. And if God is first, then He gives me the wisdom to bring that balance. Then He'll help me in the areas that I need help in. Cody was a seven-year-old, and his mom and dad worked full-time jobs and, and came home late often. But his older siblings took care of him, so he was okay. But one evening, they came home, and Cody ran downstairs and jumped into their arms. And, and he said, Mommy, Daddy, I'm so glad you're home. And, and he said, Mommy, what do you do all day? And she said, Well, I, I work at the bank. I, I'm, I'm a manager at the bank. And he says, So you own all the money? And she goes, no, 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 no. I, I manage, like, other people's monies. He says, well, uh, wow, so you, do you make a lot of money? And she said, well, I, you know, I, I get a salary and broken down. It's maybe about $16 an hour. He goes, wow. And, Daddy, how much, how much do you make and what do you do all day? He goes, well, I, you know, I, I build houses and I, I do construction. He goes, w- w- all day? He said, well, yeah. He goes, well, how much do you get paid? He said, well, I, I too get, you know, it fluctuates, but on average, like $21 an hour. And he goes, so, so you get paid more than mommy? And he said, well, yeah, well, kind of. It depends. Well, Cody runs upstairs, comes back down, and, and with his jar full of allowance money, he takes out $16, gives it to his mom, and $21, and gives it to his dad. And they're like, what is this for? And he says, mommy, daddy, I want to hire you for one hour. To spend time with me. Now I thought, Lord, I understand the, the balance of work and, and the balance of building a career, the balance of wanting to do things that, that are important to us and our families, but, but there must come a time where we watch the gauges of our life so that spiritually, emotionally, and physically, we're in alignment. Because if we don't pay attention to these gauges, then it'll, it'll be unbalanced after, after some time. And then when that happens, we, and we don't set some appropriate limits, by the time we come to the place or people where our energies are supposed to be poured into, we have nothing left to give. And we actually give people our leftovers. We even give God our leftovers, whatever we have left, whatever energies we have left. But if you find yourself in that place where the energies are being depleted somewhere else and being pulled, then do this. Number two, take time to recharge. Just take some time to recharge. And it takes a while for us to recharge our energies and and even our emotional gauge and, and, and that emotional side. It takes some time to recharge. You might be wondering, well, I don't I don't know if I'm emotionally drained. Well, if you if you've become short-tempered or your anger just kicks up into gear just real quick, that's an indication that you're drained emotionally. Or you have a hard time building relationships. Like, everybody's wrong. This person's wrong. That person's wrong. Everybody's wrong. You know, that's an indication that I'm drained emotionally. Or even fatigued. Or you're tired all the time. It's an indication that we're drained emotionally. Depression. Or people drain you. That's an indication that I'm drained emotionally. And you may need to take time to recharge your batteries. Or be like the psalmist and talking to yourself. In fact, he wrote this down in Psalm 42 verse 11. And he says, why am I so discouraged? Why is, why is my heart so sad? 
And you can see the, the shifting gear right here. He says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. And we need to... We need to take time to recharge. We need to ask ourselves questions. We need to ask ourselves when we're emotionally spent, why am I so down? Why am I not like joyful? What's happening in my life? Because if we don't ask ourselves questions, we'll never take time to recharge. And we'll just operate on low energy. And then we'll just snap at everyone. We'll, 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 we won't enjoy life. We won't enjoy relationships. And then he continues in Psalm 116, verse 7, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. You know what the psalmist is saying? He's commanding his body to sleep. He's saying, go to sleep. You need to restore yourself. You need to be refreshed because you're only snappy all the time. You need to be refreshed. Your anger is taking over. Frustration, you're falling into depression. You need to refresh yourself. And we need to ask ourselves those hard questions. Do we really enjoy the things that we should be enjoying? Are we filling ourselves up with things that refresh us? Are we doing the activities that we enjoy, that refresh us? Sometimes we fall into a routine where the things that we used to love and enjoy drain us now. When you see that happening... Change activities. Take up a new hobby. Do something different. Sometimes we'll, we'll, we've forgotten about this one thing we loved before and because of life or family or whatever took place, we've forgotten that. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, I've been caring about everyone else. I've never taken care of myself. And you may think it's selfish, but it's not. You cannot continue to operate by being depleted and not being refilled. Maybe you love running or jogging or maybe you love to write or to draw or, or maybe you love to paint or play music. Maybe you love telling stories, whatever it would be. But you've long forgotten about your dreams and the things that used to fill you. And it's like the Bible is saying, you've got to speak to yourself and say, get back. Go, go get some restoration. Be restored. This past week, Heidi and I, we just drove and we went, we went to Waimea and, and spent the day together and a time for us to be refreshed. Uh, but we went to, if you've never gone to the Kohala Coast, Pololu Valley. And if you've ever been there, just the scenery is amazing. And God's creation can refresh your soul. Just spending time with what God created. you got to remember, when He created the heavens and the earth, and He created everything that we see, the Bible says it was pleasing to the eye. Sometimes we just need to take a break when we're emotionally drained and be refilled. Because being emotionally drained is not easily recognizable. It sneaks up on us, and next thing you know, we die out. We don't know what happened. We must know ourselves well enough to know what activities drain our emotional reservoir. It's like our car batteries. If you keep that thing on, you leave the lights on and then the, uh, the radio on, your battery will die out. But it takes a lot longer to recharge the battery than it does to really drain it. And it's just like our emotional side. All the things that drain us, it takes time for us to recharge once again. 
And that's the real key right there is to recharge over time. It's not an overnight fix. It takes time to recharge. Isaiah 40, verses 29 through 31. He says, He gives power to the weak, and talking about God and the Lord. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know what the Bible is saying? It's not about your age. Because even youths will grow weary. Even young people will faint. It's not about that. It's waiting on the Lord to give us the strength. It's asking Him for direction and wisdom in how to replenish our soul. I tell you, when you sit before the Lord and you say, what, what can I do to refill my tank? What, what could it be? He'll give you wisdom for that. And then even in our families, support one another. Husbands, support the wives. Wives, support the husbands in doing these activities that fill. Now, stay balanced in that. Because you might say, oh, I love camping. Honey, I go camping for six months. I need that. So I'll be gone for a while. Keep that balance. Again, God first. Ask Him for wisdom. And then everything else will fall into place. But keep that balance. We want to make sure that it's well balanced, but we take time to charge. And the Lord wants us to wait on Him. He wants us to depend on Him. Take small breaks when you need to. You know, if you work on the computer all the time, or you're on Facebook, or you play on the computer, or you play video games, whatever it would be, you must take a break every 15 minutes for your eyes. The more you spend time on that on a prolonged time period, the quicker your eyes deteriorate and your eyesight go bad. Now, some of you might be thinking, my eyesight is bad already, so no sense. No, it'll get worse. And so take small breaks periodically. Rest your eyes. Otherwise, your brain starts to fry. You get headaches, migraines, and then it becomes worse. Watch those warning lights because when it comes on, you want to make sure you take that break. Just remember that time is the best charger. It takes time. But start somewhere. And you see, you'll see the Lord replenish your soul. And then the last thing, and this is very important, pay attention to all three gauges. All three of them. Because if we're not careful, we'll only concentrate on the ones that are easy for us. For some of us, church is easy. Reading the Bible is easy. Doing our devotions is easy. Praying to God is easy. So our spiritual side is way on the upside and it's easy for us to be super spiritual. But then we neglect the physical side and our health is not good. And then our emotional side is not good. Some of us, we concentrate so much on the physical side, the strength side of it. And so we, we, we take care of only what's healthy for us, and we forget the spiritual side, we forget the emotional side. Sometimes as men, we take so much care of our physical bodies, and, and we get in shape, and we like be buff and, and huge, and that's okay. But if we only focus on that, then that'll be on the upside, but our spiritual and emotional side is way down. Or maybe focus on, on the emotional side. And we do things that we enjoy. We love things. And, and after a while, that's all we focus on. And we only play, play, play. And we don't work. We become lazy. And we forget to balance them all out. But when they're all balanced, I tell you, you will run at optimal level. 
your life and who God created you to be will be unbelievable because that's how he wired us up. And just like our dashboards, we don't only watch our gas gauge. You watch the oil light, you watch your speedometer and the other gauges to give you an accurate reading of what's happening under the hood. And if we only watch our gas gauge, although good for keeping us running and the car engine going, if I don't pay attention to the other ones, I may run for a while, but sooner than later, the engine will fail on me. It takes energy to pay attention especially to all these gauges. It takes energy to pay attention to our dashboard because there are many things pulling us away from paying attention to our gauges. We were driving from Kona and uh, coming home from a Christian concert. There was a concert that was played out there in Waikoloa. And it's raining, it's storming, and we're heading towards Waimea. And if you know that area well, it's windy. And so imagine this. It's late at night, dark and storming, rain coming down, windshield wipers at top speed. And you're going up, and now you have the driver and the passenger, and four other passengers in this one car. And these are all adults. Now, Heidi is driving, and we're entering a place that is 45 miles an hour that drops down to 35 miles an hour, that drops down to 25 miles an hour. And it's within a short span. It's a good distance, but still they have the speedometer signs or the speed limit signs. And so at that given moment, now this happens in, a, in about a 10-second time period, okay? So because of story, i got to let you know. It'll take longer, but this happened in like a short time. I asked Heidi, I said, Heidi, I'm setting your phone for your answering you know, machine because it has a generic one. So uh, you know, her brother and I are, are recording for her and we're playing around with it, making all kinds of recordings. And I said, what is your code? She goes, I don't know my code. I said, you got to know your code because you got to get into it. And so I'm asking her that. Then someone else says, it's hot back here. Can you turn the AC on in the back? And she goes, what AC? And, it's, and she's not driving. It's not her car. Someone else's car, so you don't know all the gauges. And she goes, I don't know where the back seat driver, I mean the back seat AC is. And so she has her friend Bunny, who's in the co-pilot seat, the passenger seat. And so they're trying to figure this out. And then everybody's trying to get the attention of, of the driver saying, okay, what are we doing? Where are we going? And, and all of a sudden, you see this blue light flashing in right behind us. And it's flashing. And so the police officer pulls us over, and I'm thinking, maybe he's just going to warn us. It's storming. He's not going to come out here in the rain. He comes out in the rain, umbrella and all, storming. (laughs) And so someone tells Heidi, hey, if he asked you, do you know how fast you're going? Tell him no. And she goes, but I know how fast I was going. He said, yeah, but don't tell him you know how fast he was going. She said, I'm not going to lie. He said, come on, stop being holy. Just tell him you don't know. And so the police officer says, you know, I pulled you over. Yes. Do you know how fast you're going? Yes. And, uh, and so she got a ticket. And so I'm in the back back. And, you know, as a husband, you know, you, you're patient. And so I said, you know, Bunny, you're the wingman. You should have told Heidi she's going too fast and the speedometer sign. You should have seen the speed limit and... And everybody's saying, oh, we should have done this. And Heidi's like, you guys distracting me, everybody. And I thought, I said, Heidi, you're the driver. You should have known. And she said, what did you say? (laughs) I said, you heard? 
I said, Bunny's the co-pilot. She should have told you what to do. She was there and Bunny should have told you. Bunny's responsible. You, you did fine. And I said, um, it's okay. We had fun. She actually told the cop, well, we just came from a Christian concert. So, we're, you know, and we were hoping maybe this guy would have some mercy. Because we just came from watching Mercy Me. And so we thought, maybe, but no. We got to be safe on the roads. And, and so we had this fun time and we had to pay the thing. And it was fine. It was a long time ago. Yeah, Heidi, we're all forgiven for that, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and when we drove back there another time, we tried to watch how the speed limit signs are. And, and, it, and, and they do change from 45 to 25. And, and I thought, even though there are signs out there, we still got to pay attention to what's going on in here. We do. And we all get caught off guard. And if we don't pay attention to all these gauges in our life, we'll get caught off guard. And some questions we can ask ourselves to help us, because sometimes we don't know where we are spiritually. How do we know? We think, well, I go to church, but does that mean I'm doing well spiritually? Well, I read my Bible. Do, does that mean I'm doing well spiritually? How do we know these, how do we know these things? Well, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9, it says, Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Training yourself. Physical exercise has some value. But spiritual exercise is much more important. For it promises a reward in both this life and the next. This is true for everyone. This is true and everyone should accept it. Now, the Bible is saying to train yourself. It's not just doing the things that we need to spiritually. It's a part of our discipline of life. It's a part of training ourselves that we put it into practice. Physical exercise has some value. What the Bible is not saying is don't take care of yourself physically. It's saying it has some value. And I want some of that value. I want to make sure that I'm doing well physically so that I can be effective for God. But I also must not neglect the spiritual side because that is so much more important. What the Bible is saying is if I'm taking care of my physical life and I'm taking care of my spiritual life and I'm taking care of my emotional side, then I'll be much more effective all around. And I need to pay attention to my spiritual fitness more than anything else. And that's the gauge that is more important to give attention to. That's the one with the promise of both this life and the next. Did you know that when we're, when we're spiritually fit, that it's not just preparing us for the things that happen today, but it's preparing us for things that will take place in eternity. Isn't that interesting? Physical exercise and, and the things that we do here physically will take care of a promise here, health-wise. But it's our spiritual fitness that takes care of the other side when we're in eternity. Because we're going to stand before a holy God. I better be in good spiritual shape. And therefore, i got to take care of that spiritual side. And keep all of that in balance. Ask yourself some tough questions. And spiritually, here's some questions that we can ask ourselves. And if you can write these down, it'll help. But how is my spiritual life? You know, I've got to ask myself from time to time, how is my spiritual life? Like my life, not do I do the things that require, or do the things required to grow spiritually. It's how is my spiritual life? Is it a lifestyle? Or has it become a religion? 
Am I spiritually doing well in my life? Also, how is my quiet time or my devotions? Am I reading the Bible? Am I getting into the Word of God? Am I listening to His Spirit? Am I learning from Him? And how is my prayer life? Am I even communicating with God? Or do I only talk to God when the engine dies out? Do I only talk to Him when my life decays, when something goes bad? Is that the only time that I pray to God? And that's, a, that's some questions for the spiritual side. Physically, I ask myself, am I eating healthy? And after, you know, during the holidays, that's an absolute no. It's so hard to eat healthy. But the Bible does say eat in moderation. So even though if it's like a piece of cake or ice cream and you're exercising and balancing that out, eat in moderation. And some of you are saying, yeah, I have one scoop of ice cream at a time. Eat in moderation. You know, just be cautious about that or, or watch the things that we eat. That, that keeps us healthy. And then am I exercising? Am I exercising? Yeah, when I'm on the computer, oh, my hand comes sore. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do we walk? Do we, do we exercise? Do we do cardiovascular workouts to keep our hearts uh, healthy? And do I exercise? And sometimes it's hard, like Dr. Robin was saying. Sometimes we don't even want to walk. And we don't want to exercise, but it's good for us. Don't wait till we're unhealthy to change our entire lifestyle to be healthy. If we're already healthy, stay healthy, exercise, watch what we eat and our diets. It's important because God created us in a certain way to be balanced in that way. Am I getting enough rest? Do I sleep enough? Now, this is for teenagers. I think adults are a little bit different. I think adults uh, are a little bit less. But for teenagers, they say teenagers need, on average now, this is average, need between 10 to 12 hours of sleep per day. 10 to 12. And I know what some of the teenagers are going to tell you. See, mom, that's why I sleep all day. I need 10 hours. Now, that means you're not sleeping at 4 o'clock in the morning. There's a difference because you're sleeping late. But, the, but what it's saying is that, that we need that amount of sleep. So if you have to get up at 6, don't sleep at 4 and stay you know, sleeping till 10 and say, oh, I need 10 hours of sleep. Go to sleep when you need to, so you can get up for school. And just like adults, I think we need about eight hours of sleep. That's on average. We need about eight hours of sleep, seven to eight hours of, of sleep time, rest time. And if we're not getting that, our bodies are going to tell us. We'll be sick all the time. We'll have ailments. We'll be weak. Our bodies become sore. And when we have an injury, it takes a lot longer to heal. You know, sometimes if you think about it, just try and think, where am I hurting? Some of you are saying, all over. But sometimes we're so used to the pain, we never realize that we've never rested. And if you think about it, sometimes the pain that we have is a result, not of old age, but because we don't rest enough. That's our physical side. Our emotional side, a question that I ask myself is, how is my temper? How is my temper? Do I snap quick? I know some of you guys are looking at each other like, Oh man, I just didn't snap this morning. How is my temper? Do I get angry all the time? Do, do things just, just uh, light that fuse quick? I mean, what is it about my anger? What, how, why do I get angry quickly? That's an indication on my emotional side that I'm drained emotionally. How is my, how is my, um, my energy level? Is it low? Am I always tired? Do I need 10 cups of coffee just to get me going? What is it? 
Now try this. Now, only if this is recommended, and I don't even know if this would be recommended by your doctor. If you are a coughaholic, coffeeholic, or coughaholic is something else. That's when you keep coughing. If, if you operate on only coffee all day, try not to drink coffee for one day. See what happens. See? You know what's going to happen already. You know what's going to happen. And some people are around you say, no, 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 mom, keep drinking coffee. Just, in fact, I'll get you an IV of coffee. You'll be fine. But it's an indication of where we are emotionally. Do I feel like quitting or bailing out of something? Or do I have a hard time getting out of bed to start my day? These are some questions that we can ask ourselves. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it tells us, Or do you not know that you, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Now, where did we get our bodies from? God. He created us. That's why when we put Him first and we ask Him for direction, He gives us wisdom because He knows how we're wired up. He knows how we operate best. And I believe we all want these three gauges to be balanced. I believe we all do. And I want to say a prayer over all of us today, and it comes out of 1 Thessalonians. And it's a prayer and a blessing for us all. And I want to, I want to say this prayer as, a, as your pastor in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the Lord God of peace, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes back again. Amen. And I think He'll help us. And it's great to know how God wired us up and to put these things into practice. But really, it'll come down not just to a religious thing to do but a relationship spiritually with Jesus Christ. An emotional relationship with Jesus Christ. A physical relationship with Jesus Christ. And it all boils down to this relationship. And it'll be in Him that makes these three gauges important. Otherwise, it becomes a religion, a bunch of rules and regulation. But let's get back to relationship. And He's the one that's going to help us balance all these things out. And in all that we do concerning these three gauges, may it be because we love Jesus and want to do what's pleasing to Him. Amen. Amen. You can put away your notes and your Bibles. I want to end with this story. This story goes like this. Once the devil was walking alongside the road... And he had one of his little minions with him. And they saw, they saw a man ahead of them pick up something shiny. And this little minion looked at the devil and said, What did he pick up? And he said, I don't know. Actually, he picked up some truth. And the little minion said, well, Aren't you worried and concerned that he picked up some truth? And the devil said, no, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. Because I will see to it that he becomes distracted. And he makes a religion out of it. And pays more attention to that shiny item than he does his relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And I think that's the strategy of the enemy. That if he can get us to focus on doing spiritual things, doing physical things, and filling our souls emotionally, if he can get us distracted with that, then we'll forget about our relationship with Jesus Christ. But Jesus came to give us life. And when we're living that life, and we understand these gauges to help us balance out our lives, we've got to remember that these gauges are there so that we'll be able to have an accurate reading of what's going on under the hood, under the surface of our life, and make some adjustments so that we can love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And that relationship with Him and these three gauges... When it's all in alignment, that's the power of life's three most important gauges. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we pray and as we seek your face and your wisdom, we ask for direction, clarity. But most of all, we ask that as we put into practice all these things, that we would never forget that it's... It comes out of a relationship with you. So Lord, draw us near to you. Speak to us. May you be the one that guides our life. And I pray for every single one of us that you will refresh us spiritually, physically, and emotionally so that we can love you with all our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and that we would have the best start ever in 2012. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Can we applaud the Lord this morning and thank Him?